Now on the Business Radio X Network, Conscious Capitalism, elevating humanity through business in Southern Arizona. Your hosts, Sarah McLaren and Jeremy Neese. Southern Arizona does good business, and we want to talk about it. Welcome to Conscious Capitalism Radio Show and Podcast, streaming live and on demand from the Tucson Business Radio X studio. Conscious Capitalism is an international movement promoting business as a force for good. The Conscious Capitalism movement has 40-plus chapters in the, in the United States, including Arizona, with lots of activity down here in the southern part of the state. We are bringing people together to make it easier for Southern Arizona businesses to do good business and to partner with other organizations who know successful companies value all of their stakeholders, including the communities in which they operate. On this show, we want to shine a light on real-world examples of good business happening right in our own backyards. We invite leaders in our community to share their stories and experiences, to tell us about their personal journey through the world of business, to let us know what makes their organization great and how they go about bringing value to Southern Arizona. At the end of the show, we will share information about upcoming opportunities to engage with Conscious Capitalism, but please remember you can always go to ConsciousCapitalismAZ.com to learn more. So let's get into some dialogue about good business. We'll introduce you to the voices that will be on the radio, on the vo uh, microphones today. I'll start with myself. I am Jeremy Neese, one of your hosts. I am a perpetual student of business operations. For one, I am always looking for ways to improve in my own organizational pursuits at Retirement Evolutions Wealth Management, where we get to assist individuals, families, and businesses in addressing their retirement planning. But I am also interested because what I believe we can do as a collective if we expand upon our definitions of organizational success. And I'm uh, Sarah McCrarran from McCrarran Compliance, where we provide safety training and consulting specializing in MSHA, OSHA, and DOT. So uh, to get to our guests, our first guest today is Megan Everett. Megan is the Director of Marketing for Mr. Carwash and began a career with the company in 2014. In her current role, she oversees all aspects of the marketing team and is responsible for the customer brand experience team, customer insights, and community relations. She began her career with Mr. Carwash as a social media manager and was later promoted to brand manager. Before joining Mr. Carwash, Megan worked in a variety of roles in retail. Uh, prior to Mr. Carwash, she was a member of the purchasing team at Mayer, uh, a brand management intern at Henkel, and an assistant store manager at Maurice's. Megan graduated from Southern Utah University with a Bachelor of Arts in, in Business Marketing and holds a Master's of Business Administration from the University of Arizona. Welcome, Megan. We're really happy to have you. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. And our other guest is Pam Krim. So Pam is CEO and president of the Better Business Bureau serving Southern Arizona. Pam has extensive experience in nonprofit work and has also owned her own business, which has given her a unique edge in preparation for her position of, as CEO of the Better Business Bureau. Her most well-known business is the regional internet service provider Dakotacom.net, which she owned and operated for over eight years. During her time there, she orchestrated the acquisition of the DSL segment of the large local internet service uh, provider AZ Starnet. She also secured 
long-term contracts with big names such as the University of Arizona, Canyon Ranch, Krebs Engineering, and the Arizona Sonoran Desert Museum. Before selling Dakotacom.net, she earned two Copper Cactus Awards for Best Place to Work and the Business Growth Award. Before joining the Better Business Bureau, Pam was the Director of Sales for Southern Arizona at Cox Business Arizona. In this role, she developed and maintained strategic relationships with community outreach partners, set strategic and capital investments for Cox Business Network downtown expansion, and led the sales team in the Southern Arizona market, uh, Marketplace. Now, Pam's been in, in Tucson for 25 years, but before that, she had lived all over the country while working with Baxter Healthcare. She loves Southern Arizona and has served on several different nonprofit boards. Currently, she serves as chair of La Frontera Behavioral Health and as the chairwoman at uh, the top, well, sorry, and as chair of Women at the Top, one of Tucson's largest business uh, groups. In the past, she's served uh, Junior Achievement, Make-A-Wish Foundation Arizona, Tucson Hispanic Chamber of Commerce, and has served as a small business commissioner for the city of Tucson. So welcome, Pam. We're really honored to have you a part of our show. Oh, thank you. I'm so glad to be invited. I appreciate the opportunity. So we put a long list of things that you could talk to us about, Pam, but uh -oh. if we can start with the Better Business Bureau. I suspect most people have some perception on what that is, but I'd love to hear from you firsthand. What would you tell the world that Better, Better Business Bureau does and what is some of its history? I'm really proud of the Better Business Bureau serving Southern Arizona, and I, I'd like to say your Better Business Bureau serving Southern Arizona. And we have two different pillars that uh, we strive in our mission to accomplish every day. One pillar is to help and support the consumer by educating and making them aware of scams and also an outlet in order to communicate to build trust with businesses within our community. We also have the other peer, which is to support the business community. We have an accreditation process for those that have run and are successfully running very trustful businesses, and we evaluate them. And they are, they are at that time, um, have the ability to use our famous BBB Torch logo and put that on their business. So immediately, consumers can see. It has a very, very high rate of, of knowledge with consumers um, to know that this is a trustworthy business that has actually um, pledged so to speak, to become and remain a trustful business. That's so great. We um, pride ourselves on our scam education. We have the busiest uh, scam portal in the United States uh, covering scams all the way down to your zip code. So uh, we have uh, reporting uh, by individuals that have been either victims or aware of scams. We do this all over the United States, and it's the most populated portal for that. And it can be found at bbb.org, and it's called Scam Tracker. That's interesting. I'll admit I did not know about that component. Well, yeah, Pam, I, didn't you mention that uh, you're often asked to report on local TV stations? The latest scam comes up, and the first place they go is to Pam and the Better Business Bureau to say, okay, what's going on, and how do people protect themselves? Yes, and um, unfortunately, this is a very busy time for scams. So we have a wonderful relationship with the press, and uh, we have, uh, I think we're on TV at least two or three times a week now until Christmas. Wow. Um, Basically, uh, letting the victims tell the story with us 
um, so that people can learn. We know from a white paper that's been done over two years ago that the biggest impact that you can have to deter scam and scammers is education. We've seen that happen with the senior population. In fact, the senior population for many years and, and many people still feel is the one that um, is uh, victims of scams the most often, and actually it's not. It's the younger millennials that have now uh, over, overdone the, um, sadly, overdone um, the seniors uh, because they spend so much time and rely so much uh, on their phones and uh, digital, digitally to handle all of their personal information. And they have a real tendency and a bias towards trust, which is a wonderful thing, but one cannot be um, to the point where you don't look into it and you don't investigate uh, your options and your vulnerabilities. Right. That's good to know. So what was your interest in joining up with the can I call it the Triple B? Is there like a cool name yes, for that, it? Yes, that, that's what my son calls it, the Triple B. <laughs> I always say, we're not a truck stop. We don't serve iced tea and pie. But, right, we'll you know, work on something. but we do have a pretty good kitchen. Um, I'm sorry. So I repeat your question again. Uh, I started thinking about my son. what you led see. you to be part of that organization? Oh, gosh. I have such a desire and respect for small business owners. Um, I call it respect for someone that makes payroll every two weeks. To me, that's the big test. And um, especially in Southern Arizona, um, small business is the backbone of our economics. And um, for me to be in a position where I get to represent and work with small business people uh, in Southern Arizona every single day and try to do our best to look out for them and our consumers, that's a privilege. That's it's a cool. real privilege and it's my passion. What do you think it was in your, in your past, in your personal story that you know, leads you to that passion? I believe um, by having to make, I go back to it, having to make payroll and working with individuals as employees and knowing that they were depending on me and my leadership team in our organization to fulfill their family's requirements and also to bring the very best product. Um, the business that I owned was dakotacomp.net and it's still in business and I'm prideful of that. Um, we were bringing technology at a time that news was so relevant, you know, it was during 9-11 uh, and et cetera, where people were very compelled to, um, to get the fastest news possible. And with the privilege of delivering that was also the challenges. And I love challenges and I, I love building cultures. And it was just so much fun to, uh, to do that and to build a team of people that cared as much as I cared. So I have um, great passion for putting together the teams and the people and coexist in the community and actually bring forward positive things to the community because of the good work that our team was doing. Very nice. So Megan, so speaking of, you know, part of the, you know, community and Mr. Carwash is an important part of our community as well. So I think it's obvious to everybody, you know, what Mr. Carwash quote unquote does, but tell us more about I guess, who Mr. Carwash is. Yeah, great question, Sierra. So I think one of the things is um, Mr. Carwash, we wash cars, and that's that's pretty evident with our name, but we are an integral part of the business community here in Southern Arizona, not only because we um, operate 15 car washes here 
15 car wash locations here in Southern Arizona, but we also are headquartered here and we support our 260 plus locations across the nation right here out of downtown Tucson. And I think a lot of people don't know that about Mr. Car Wash and aren't aware of the impact that we're having here locally um, as a as an employer, not only from our location perspective, but also as an employer as we are adding jobs to uh, the economy here in Sar- southern Arizona through our headquarters and everything that goes into supporting all of our stores across the nation. So we have marketing which is my team, uh, finance, operations, IT, are all supported out of our two campuses that are located in downtown. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a real source of pride for for Southern Arizona to have a company that truly has their, you know, their corporate headquarters here and everything that's going on with Mr. Karash is coming out of of here. So, um, you know, so that's always a, a nice story to be able to share. But what do you think about Mr. Karwash makes it a good place to work? Yeah, so I I think one of the things is is and I want to sort of step back and, and talk about who we are as a company. Um, we're a company that's people first, and uh, while delivering a clean, shiny, dry car is table stakes for us and in our industry, uh, when we really took a hard look at what made us different and what made us special as a company, it was the people that that work there and the people that are part of our organization. And so, as a company, over the last four to 10, you know, probably five to 10 years, it's really been investing back into our people and helping them become their best selves. And we'll probably get into this a little bit later, but as we defined our purpose and our values as an organization, people were at the center of that and we know how important they are. And so how do we make Mr. Carwash a place that where you spend a lot of your time, um, maybe more time than you spend at home, how do we make it a place that feels like home and is a place that you are excited to come to work every day? And so how we did that are a couple ways, and we're definitely not perfect, and we still have a long way to go. And um, I think you'll feel that if you came to our headquarters and you felt the, the sense of urgency that our teams are working on a lot of these things. But I think some some big strides that we've hit are you know, very competitive benefits and um, very, very competitive paid time off. I, one of the things that I love about um, our organization is having worked in retail. I've had worked at a lot of different retailers. I wasn't eligible for a lot of benefits because maybe I was working part time or I hadn't been with the organization quite enough, you know, quite long enough. And at Mr. Carwash, we know that it's not just the pay, paycheck that, are, that can motivate people. It's a lot of some of those ancillary benefits as well. So paid time off, I think, which is amazing. It's a huge benefit. As a frontline employee, you start accruing paid time off on your first day, and you're eligible to start using that paid time off after 90 days. And I think that's a huge benefit that a lot of organizations don't um, don't give. So that's one of the other things. And then I think the training and development, and we really want to help people build a career out of this. It's not just a job, but and I think too, it's we want to help you build a career with us. But even if you don't stay with us forever, we want you to leave with skills that make you a better person. And so we've invested heavily in training and development. We have a full training and development team in-house that that builds all of these programs. And we're getting ready to launch a new exciting platform to all of our um, all of our employees so they can have better access to that training and development. And I think those are some of the things, a few things that make it a great place to work. And I would I would touch on the last thing is we're a family and no place that I've worked before, especially in retail, have I felt the sense of family and the sense of caring that I do not only at our office, but especially at our locations. There's a a deep sense of 
um, pride and um, caring that happens at the locations. And, you know, just this last week I was traveling to visit some of our locations and people know what's going on in each other's lives and they're ready to stand up for you and help you. And I haven't felt that other places. And so I think when you're part of our, when you're an employee, you're part of our family. And I think that's what's really, really special about what we have. That's great. Is that consistent when you go visit other locations across the country? I mean, it's it's not because we're Southern Arizona and we're chill and we all kind of take care of each other. <laughs> this is a formula that the organization yeah. can replicate. No, I think it's something that I felt um, across the nation. I was as I traveled from the Northeast to California to the Southeast. Um, there's this sense of, and I don't know what it is, but I think it's the sense of we're in this together. Um, maybe it's the nature of the work that we're doing. But um, I also think, too, it's as a company, we believe in people. And our leadership has, um, we've we've developed a leadership internally. So 85% of our store leadership has been promoted from within. So they probably started on the front lines. We're not hiring people from outside. We've done that at times. And it's been very successful for us. But I think if you have a, a store manager that started vacuuming cars and has moved their way up within the organization, they know that Mr. Carwash cares about them. So when they hire that next production worker, they're going to give that same um, that same crew member the the level of care and um, time and attention that they got to, to be developed into the place that they are. And I think that's a big piece of it is is we care and we want to believe in people, and we you know we have that retention of employees that started with us and have built a career. And so it's, it, I think it trickles down from there. It, it starts, and it honestly, it starts at the top. We have an amazing um, leadership team um, that I'm very lucky to be a part of, but people, it's, it's, we walk that walk instead of just, you know, we believe in our people and, and we want to give them all the tools to be successful. That's fantastic. Yeah, I really love that. I, I think it really accurately describes that for me personally, the core thing that's missing in a lot of business and that is just caring for each other and making people feel like they're a part of the family um, so and the other thing that I think is awesome about that is you're teaching you're giving people tools like these interpersonal tools that they can now take home to their family and even at home not only is their experience at home happier because they're happy at work but they have skills on how to show people how they care so beyond just, you know, contributing to the families and how the, your employees take that out into the community, how else does Mr. Carwash engage with the community? Yeah, that's a great question. So something that I think is really unique about our business is um, we grow through acquisition. So um, we're 260 uh, locations plus, and all of those locations have come as we've acquired other businesses, acquired other car washes, and folded them into our family. And so one thing that's really unique is while we are this uh, a big organization that spans the nation, and there's a lot of benefits that come with that, you know, resources and things that come with that, we also want to stay true to who some of those businesses were as a very local business that started an entrepreneur, started a car wash, built it into maybe a couple locations regionally, and there's power in understanding that. So giving back to the community and being a part of the community is really important to us. Um, so a couple of things that we do um, – to do that is we have a very robust fundraising program, and um, I will say that over the last couple of years, we've given back over a million dollars to communities that we serve through that program. We also are committed to teachers and classrooms. So in the last couple of years, we've given back over $60,000 to local classrooms directly to the classroom through grants. Um, so 
teachers nominate or customers nominate teachers or classrooms that are in need and we directly you know give that money right into the classroom to, to help them support their goals and education and that really ties back to who we are we believe in training and development and education so it really matches with a lot of the things that we do internally and then also we we give back to a lot of organizations through donations or sponsorships because we believe that we could maybe cut a big check to one big organization, but there are a lot of smaller organizations that are operating right next to our location that maybe need a little bit of help through some fundraising or other I items that we can do. And so it's really balancing that we're a large organization with, with some resources, but we're also still your local car wash and we still employ the people that live and work in your community. And they're an important part of our family. And so what's important to them is also important to us. And that and that's a you know, really high level some of the ways that we give back. But I think it's um I think it's really powerful to see um, if you come into our, our headquarters in downtown Tucson, you can see we have a big wall, a big metal wall, and we have pictures of Little League or softball or a local um, organization that has participated in fundraising or had a donation through us and the impact that it's, it's made to their organization. And we proudly display those because, again, if it's important to our people that work at our locations, then it's important to us, and we want to give back to the community in that same way. Yeah, simple and direct, right? Uh, Pam, what about what about you and the Better Business Bureau? What are some ways that um, that you engage with the community? It's our mission to engage with the community. Thank you for asking the question. Um, we do a lot of different things, and some things that people are very aware of, obviously, to to actually come to our website and file a complaint. Um, but the interesting thing, um, we also do reviews. And the thing that sets us apart to support the community and truth and integrity is all of the information that you see on our website that has been submitted by an opinion from, from a consumer is all vetted. So we make sure that the transaction actually took place. Um, also, the interesting thing, too, that has transposed in the last three to five years is that most of our communication, over 75% of the communication with the Better Business Bureau on our website and our phone calls are about positive things. So we work really hard to bring positiveness to our community and not the negative I'm, threats of I'm going to call the Better Business Bureau. So some of the things that we do is we have a very, very active business directory. We manage over 34,000 business records for Southern Arizona about businesses small and large. Um, which is a resource for all consumers and businesses when looking for partners. We also do dispute resolution, which most people know about. Um, we have a formalized uh, way in which we do that. Uh, we also obviously have our scam tracker. I mentioned that. But we just introduced a charity review program, which is very similar to our business accreditation program, but we actually do this for nonprofits. Um, and as we all know, being that we've lived here in our community a long time, the nonprofits are a very large part of the success of our community and the economic formula of our community. So we actually have an accreditation process, which is pretty lengthy, and it's wonderful for those that want to make donations at this time of the year to see if they are accredited with us. We put them through a very vigorous program. In fact, um, it, it's very time consuming. It's not anything that, it's actually very consuming for our employees, but I truly I have a passion for nonprofits. And so we want to support that aspect of the community as well. Um, many of you probably know our Torch Awards. We do ethics awards that celebrate those that companies of all different sizes for their ethic contributions to our community. We have that every May. We have It's coming up May 3rd of 2019. We're taking nominations now. We also have have an auto line that if you have uh, a lemon 
right? The lemon, the old lemon law um, that supports that and puts puts folks through the process with the auto makers and they actually help support, but they only support it financially. They don't support it within the process. We have um, legal mediation people that help us with that. And we also do a lot of investigative reporting um, as well as you see us on the TV. Suzanne Miller's our director of communications and she's far more articulate than myself. Um, so we also do those investigations uh, and once, um, if we've seen a pattern of happening within our community, we take that investigative results and we pass it on to the attorney general's office or whoever it is that would go ahead and do further investigations. And so it's very interesting when you hear a lot of the things and you read the newspaper um, and know about some of the lawsuits and different court cases involved. Many, many times the Better Business Bureau has been behind the scenes that has noted the pattern of of disreputable behavior that uh, then that particular party, whether it's the contractors association or the uh, attorney general goes to them and then they pass it along and decide what they're going to do with it. So we really try to dive deep into our community and be part of it, not only just from an economic standpoint, but very much from the nonprofits and um, supporting and managing marketplace trust. And I'd like, to, I'd like to touch on something, you know, I think that Pam and her team does a really great job of, as, as a business owner as, or as working for a business, <clears throat> is that we, you know, sometimes people see what you guys do as uh, for, through the Better Business Bureau as maybe people just lodging complaints and a lot of the negative things. And I think Pam has done a really great job of building relationships with organizations um, to help them see what, what's available. And to be perfectly frank, we didn't have a great relationship, Mr. Carwash, with the Better Business Bureau um, because it tended to always be the negative things. And um, we maybe felt ourselves getting caught up in a process of, of having to maybe deal with some customer feedback that kept coming back around. But I think Pam and her team really helped us see how they could be a partner and that now we can take the customer feedback that we've um, received through her platform, whether it's positive or negative, and we can really help see it through the process. And I, th I don't think that a lot of business owners can see, that, um, see the power of that, that if they reach out to you and your team, that they can build a great relationship with you guys and see, and then that can in turn build a great relationship with their customers. And they can use your platform as a, as a powerful source of feedback and learning to get better and make their business better. And that's something that, you know, at Mr. Carwish, we're very in tune to is customer feedback. We want to receive it. We want to receive it however it comes. So if it comes through the Better Business Bureau, Facebook, Google, Yelp, directly into our, our customer care center, we want to take that feedback and we take it to heart. But it's, it's powerful to partner with someone like yourself and your organization to help us through that process and help manage some of those maybe more negative um, situations, but also some of the positive ones and, and turn customers into loyal customers and raving fans um, because a lot of times a bad situation can be turned around very quickly if you manage it appropriately and I think your team has helped us learn some of that as well. Well thank you I'm very prideful of our team and they do work in negative and positive situations and again I think you just did a wonderful definition of managing marketplace trust and that's really what we seek to do every day and when I first uh, had the privilege of becoming the CEO of our business, our Better Business Bureau, I thought, oh, what a lofty goal. You know, it sounds like somebody from a marketing department made that up. But I think um, of my three years, I think you articulated it, Megan, better than anybody. 
You're welcome. So I'll come I really, work for your marketing department any day. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I, I really do. for you in marketing if you think about it. I do. <laughs> I do appreciate it. And I will say, um, back at you as far as working with um, Mr. Karwash and, and all the things that you talked about with your executive team, I, I bear witness to that. I've seen the authentic organization that you all have built together and it's a gem in Tucson that not enough people know about. So we're really proud for our relationship. And trust me, I think Megan depicted it. We had to do a lot of groundwork together. And to me, that's such a high compliment. So I really do appreciate it. You're welcome. Well, I'm curious about that a little bit further. <clears throat> First of all, uh, the fact that 70% of the reviews are positive as opposed to negative, that number surprised me. I think 70% of our communications. That communications. Yeah. Okay. But that's basically I, I, that. <laughs> yeah, it seems like one of one of my personal um, crusades is sort of offering a an alternative narrative to what seems to dominate the media, which mm -hmm. is sort of here's an example, and it's usually hyper in some degree of some employees are being misused or products are being released that shouldn't be released, and the consumers are feeling the pain. It seems like that's the narrative mm -hmm. where everywhere you look, there's a headline stating that there's not enough of the 70% of positive communications that are going on. So I think that's fantastic. And how, how are those showcased? I mean, that's just well, embedded uh, in the reviews? Or? Yes, it's in our, you know, everybody has an opportunity to go onto the BBB.org and you, it geolocates you once you say you're from Tucson or it'll, it will find you and it'll take you to our specific site. And you can look up any business and look at their reviews um, and also their complaints. And um, we're, we are just so excited that we see much more of a positive trend because we do feel that we're a very relevant tool for those that want to make decisions. And so I think too, with um, the wonderful youth of our population they're so used to doing reviews bring it on we love it uh, I want to work side by side I can learn a lot from that segment of our population and um, again that brings more information to all those that are out there making buying decisions so um, we we love it and we are much more positive than we've ever been and I think maybe hmm, twice last year I said to someone, well, if all else fails, let them know you're going to report it to the Better Business Bureau. So it's really not part of Last our language resort. anymore. But I do know that it's a res it, you can resort to that, and people do feel um, that there's um, some. It can be very effective, but um, we don't really have a lot of those conversations so much anymore because we approach everything from a positive way. And again, I have an incredible staff. Trust me, there's 15 people that work their tail off every day to handle people that are upset as well as people that are pleased and the people that have had a bad car, you know, and that, which is near and dear, a very large financial contribution that they've made to a, to a car company and they're not happy. So we handle all those sensitive issues and um, we do it in a way that I think is um, authentic. That's great. So is there any practical tips you can share? So you had mentioned that sort of you met under the pretense of you had some reviews, you had to manage your way through and you got some good insights from Pam and her team. Is, is there anybody that's got to manage? They've got a good one that came in and they want to showcase it or something? Yeah, please use us. We have a very, very busy site. Um, you can imagine how many of our 
local consumers go to our site, bb.org, and um, take a look at your company and take a look at your nonprofit. So I invite everyone listening to visit it and to participate in it. Don't just read it. If you've had a wonderful experience, and you know, now is a big shopping time, right? We're going to go to all different kind of vendors that we might not necessarily go to on a regular basis, but be sure to convey the positive things as well as if you have some critical ideas to bring their way. But it's important because we know by listening to Megan today and the culture that Mr. Carwash has, they listen to it. This is how we get better. This is how a small business can really strive and most importantly, thrive in our community, which we know in the long run is very impactful for all of us. Yeah, and that's, uh, you know, you when you were talking about um, the accreditation process, both for businesses and then also for nonprofits. I mean, that's a really powerful business development tool. So when you think about a nonprofit or or a for-profit company and, and smaller businesses, and, and just like you said right now, we're trying to help businesses thrive. So these really, not only do you get to, you know, display the torch, but you, you get guidance and direction and practices to be become a thriving business or nonprofit. So, yeah. It's really interesting. Um, We work closely with SAFE, and Wendell Hicks, their executive director, really says it the best. Uh, When we started uh, reintroducing the accreditation program for charities, he was the first one on the bandwagon. And really, they're a fairly large um, organization in our community. And he said, I think all charities should do this. He said I, he had done it previously in its previous life because we relaunched it. And he said every time we did it, I learned another thing that my organization could perhaps look at and do better. But he said even more important than that, if you're a small charity, you're struggling, and you want to know kind of the guidelines of how to run an efficient organization, Wendell always says, here it is. Here are the guidelines. The things that the Better Business Bureau is going to ask you Four are things that you should be working on. And I I think he says it well, but uh, I think SAFE is a wonderful organization, and they've expanded far beyond just um, AIDS rehabilitation. So I invite everyone to find out more about them. That's a great resource. That's one of the things we're always looking to enable for people is it's great that you can hear stories and sort of understand conceptually, but where can I really get some information that Mm -hmm. I can take back to my team to have conversations and move forward. Exactly. That's a good resource. Uh, Real quickly, want to remind everybody you are listening to Conscious Capitalism, Elevating Humanity Through Business in Southern Arizona, sponsored in part by Retirement Evolutions Wealth Management, driven by the purpose to maximize the number of people who lead secure and comfortable retirements. Life evolves and so should your planning. Go to retevo.com to find resources to help with your own journey. Uh, so, Megan, there's uh, four key tenets, principles, if you will, that live within conscious capitalism. They are non-hierarchical, but in my opinion, one of those keys is the purpose by which the organization exists and why everybody gets out of bed to go and serve it. You've got an interesting story behind that. Would you share what your purpose and values and how you came to uh, arrive at them? Yeah, absolutely. So I joined Mr. Carwash a little over or almost five years ago, and I could tell there was something special about the organization when when I came on board. Um, Just the people that worked there, the deep passion for what they had to do, the pride in the the work that they did, and um, 
But it was interesting as you sort of, you know, as you're interviewing the company and you're doing re- research on it, it was hard to find sort of those, that page on their website or whatever it was where it said, this is our mission as a company or our purpose as a company. And I mean, it was written there. It was like clean, dry, shiny car. And and like I said, that's that's important. And, you know, our customers expect that when they come to a car wash. But there was nothing beyond that. I mean, it was like, okay, great. Yeah, that's that's important. And that's something that we live live by every day. Um, the quality of our, our product, the end product when customers leave, um, we're very um, conscious of that and, and what that that means. But there was nothing more there. And I think um, as I was, after I'd been with the organization about a year, we were, from a marketing perspective, looking at our organization, maybe we need to rebrand, redesign our logo, maybe do some things different visually. And at the same time, I think we were in a company life, in the the spot in our life cycle as a company where maybe we need to look at our value and our pr- values and our purpose and maybe redefine those a little bit. And, and me- maybe we can get something out of that. And so we started redesigning the logo and doing all the marketing things side of it um, from a customer-facing thing. But we also focused heavily internally about who are we as a company and, and what do we stand for. And it was an interesting exercise. We sort of we gathered our executive team, our leadership team, and um, we talked a lot about it. We read a handful of books, Conscious Capitalism being one of them, and really thought, okay, there's got to be more to this than just clean, dry, shiny car. I mean, what what are things that we do as a company and as an organization day in and day out? And we kept coming back to people, how important people are. Um, we can't wash cars without people. And you can't wash cars by yourself. You need a team of people. Um, and so that continued to be something that bubbled to the top as we as we talked about it. So we had a lot of brainstorming sessions and talked about, okay, what does this mean? How do we articulate this um, in a simple way so that it can, um, you know, work its way out through from our executive team through our frontline employees, something that's easy and memorable. And so as we went through this exercise, we settled on a very simple purpose, which is inspiring people to shine. And there's a lot of things that <laughs> could go into that, not only um, the, the development side of it, but literally we, we want people to shine. And it's not just our employees. We want our customers. We want our compu- communities to shine. We want to see the best out of everyone. And then our three values, again, we wanted something that was very simple, easy to remember, and something our employees and we could live by every day, which was, and we landed on the following three, we care, we work hard, and we have fun. And those are things that our organization, if you come to our team with those three values in mind and you live those, you're going to be a great fit for our team. What's interesting, though, is those weren't things that were really, it wasn't like this big culture shift in our organization. I think those were things that were always living underneath um, and they were being lived every day at our locations by our team members. But I think the power is when we took the time to intentionally develop and articulate a simple purpose and a simple set of values, how our team grasped onto those and have made our culture what it is today. And to see the shift internally over the last three to four years, as people have started to embrace this and started to to really make it their own, it has been really amazing. And one thing I'll share, one short example, one, one of the ways that I love to see the purpose come to life is, as a company, we have a scholarship program for all of our employees. And the 
essay portion is extremely straightforward. It's three short questions. And one of the questions is, how has inspi- what does inspiring people to shine mean to you? And the first year we launched this question, I mean, there were some good answers in there, but you could still, feel that, still um, see that employees didn't quite know what it meant, maybe hadn't reached the way into our stores the way that we wanted it to. But this last year, I think, was really powerful to read um, stories of, of these are employees that are 16 or 17, 18, 19, just getting ready to go off to school. Maybe this is their first job. And to read stories of this is a place where people believe in me and I feel like I belong. And if I'm being my best, then I'm delivering great customer service and I'm helping my fellow employees. And this has taught me to be my best in and outside of work and that I can be someone that's important and that I can be um, an example to others. So to read statements like that, um, I could get very emotional about sure. because um, it's it makes me feel extremely proud to work for an organization that believes in people and wants to make um, our employees' lives better as whether they're here for us for a short with us for a short time or a long time. Um, it's really it's about giving them the tools to succeed and as cheesy as it sounds, it's tools to shine, really. Sure. I love that purpose. I'm, as a consumer, you know, the few hours that my car stays clean after it's been washed, I'm. if you need a rainstorm for the garden, just let me know. I'll, yeah. I'll hit the, the car wash <laughs> okay. that day, or we need a good dust storm. <laughs> I'm your man. I can make that happen. Um, and, and that's great on the, um, the essays that you receive that kind of mm-hmm. gives you the feedback. Is there anything specific you do to cultivate that? I mean, as people get onboarded, are they bombarded with your purpose and values? Is it tattooed on the walls? How how do you infuse it into the culture? Yeah, so I think another thing that's been really amazing um, over the last couple of years is this heavy investment in employee development and training. And I I mentioned a little bit earlier, we're getting ready to roll out some, some even deeper training resources for our team. But it, again, it starts at the top and teaching and training our people. But we about a year ago, we sat down as a team, HR operations, myself, and said, what does our employee experience look like? And we approached it the, a lot of the same ways that we approach the customer experience. So we all are consumers and we like to have good experiences when we're shopping. So whether we're you know, interacting with a company online or in store or with our friends, what does you know that consumer experience look like? And from that first touch point with a company, is it positive? Do we have continually positive experiences? So we took the same approach to our employee experience. What does that experience look like from an employee's perspective, from the first time they hear about Mr. Carwash to reading a job posting to the application process? Is it timely follow-up through the interview interview process? Are they getting a great interview? Are they, you know, how did they go through that experience? And again, connecting it back to our values and, you know, is it, are we showing that we care from the very beginning? Are we, um, are we illustrating that we have fun portion of the job through the interview process and the onboarding process? So connecting all of that back in, I make that sound very easy, <laughs> um, but it's not. It's an extremely hard process, and it's something that we're still working on. Honestly, we're not 100%. We have our own challenges through that process. But I think the fact that we're thinking about it and that we think about employee experience just as much, sometimes maybe even more than customer experience, um, is really important. And I think we believe, um, or I know that we believe as an organization, if our employees are happy, our customers are happy. And 
are we setting the right expectations out of the gate with our employees and helping them understand what this can be? Are we, are we giving them everything they need to succeed um, from day one so that this is a comfortable place for them to come? If not, how do we fix that? And that's something that um, we're talking about every single day at our organization, and it's something that's always top of mind, especially right now. It's a tough labor market, so we got to find the best people. And how do we do that? It's creating an amazing employee experience. And, and what are some of those things that we can do to do that? And like I said, we're not perfect. We're thinking about it every single day. But I think we've come a long ways. Well, you're, you're perfectly imperfect because yeah. that's really what conscious capitalism is cheering for is that it is about intentionality. It's not you set up the employee manual a year ago and, okay, we're good. We're all set. Culture established. Moving on to checking the, uh, the till and see how revenues are looking. So it. It's yeah. never at rest. It's mm-hmm. never, okay, we've got the formula. There's always going to be new stimuli, new needs, new opportunities. It's an ongoing discussion within the organization. Yeah, and I think one of the things that's really helped us and, and some advice that we give to listeners as, as you're thinking about whether it's from customers or from employees is put yourself in their shoes. So maybe it's hard to think about when you were 17 or 18 and looking for your first job or 25 and looking for another job or a new career opportunity, um, put yourself in their shoes and say, okay, what are you going to look for in an organization? And how would you like to be treated through the process? Do you want good follow-up? Do you want, um, do you want clear expectations from the beginning? You know, what are those things that are important to you? And then turn around and do it. And I think we, I think, that's something that we've really tried to do is put ourselves in our, in our employees' shoes. We've solicited a lot of feedback from our employees. Um, we do an employee engagement survey to really, this is your chance to tell us whatever you want. And we have a big open comment section, and those are always very fascinating to read. Sometimes it's hard to read, but it's good to read because it's the feedback that can solicit change um, in an organization. And and there are definitely things that we've changed because of feedback we've received from our team. And that's another thing I would say is just always be open. There's no right or wrong way always to do something. Um, Listen to your gut, know what feels right. Um, And I think that's one of the big things that has guided us as an organization. Is this the right thing to do? If it is, good business will follow. We'll we'll reap the good consequences of that. this is the right thing to do. Um, maybe it doesn't always make the most financial sense. I mean, we have to be financially um, good financial stewards of our business. But if it's the right thing to do by our employees or our customers, good things will follow behind it. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, that feedback is important. We talked earlier about the feedback, positive and negative, for building, you know, marketplace trust. But then same thing, but now we're building it, you know, workplace trust. I think that's also a great example of something within conscious capitalism that we call stakeholder orientation. And so you're not just worried about a particular stakeholder like your investor, which is what's typical in sort of traditional business models, but you're also not worried about just your um, your your clients or your customers. You're looking at all of them and, and balancing their needs, and that's a really great example. Um, so, so Pam, you know, we've talked before about how conscious capitalism and its, you know, values and tenets really align almost, you know, synchronistically or whatever, however you say that word, with the the ethics and the values of the Better Business Bureau. So you've, you know, Jeremy and I have kind of been in the business of conscious capitalism for a year or so, but you've really been in the business for much, much longer. Um, So I'm curious to hear your perspective about how well 
the Southern Arizona community understands conscious capitalism? I'm an optimist. And I truly believe from my experience being here in the community for 25 years, I feel Tucson and Southern Arizona gets it. Can we fine tune it? Can we get better at it? Can we keep bringing more people into it with like minds? Yes. But I truly believe that um, the attitudes and the approach that small, medium, and large businesses contribute every day to marketplace trust as well as uh, doing good business practices and supporting our community, I, I think that's so important. I, I, I know when I owned Dakotacom many years ago, I got to have all the fun and I got to do all the outreach to the community and was involved in boards, nonprofit boards. And my young population, as you can imagine, as employees that you had in an internet business, um, they, they said to me, how come we can't do that? Why, aren't, why don't we get to get involved? And they basically did a shift of uh, being very involved in the community, either in the film schools or, or whatever their interests were. We very much supported that initiative that our employees brought to me. And it's very, very interesting because once we made some of those shifts and we were um, cash neutral, which is always an important thing for a small business owner, um, once we were able to do that, word spread. So we got to the finish line every year, but we started getting the, to the finish line knowing we had a bright future. And a lot of that was a lot of our community work and our outreach and what was inside all of us. We were inspired. We were inspired when we came to work and we were inspired to go and do more in our community. And so that's when I learned that it really, it really takes all of that to be successful. And you can't be a silo or an island in your community. And I know one of the questions that you all were going to ask us today was, what do you say to people that don't think capitalism, you know, how, how do like read work. my mind. Okay. So so I think that if people don't see capitalism as being part of the solution, then they're missing part of the formula. Because I think we all are stakeholders in our community and capitalism brings resources. Also it brings great minds and it great brings great passion. And so if you can use those to solve com community issues, oh my goodness. Why would you not? So I truly believe capitalism is part of the solution and there should not be barriers to, to what we can learn and what we can bring. Yeah, I agree. I mean, obviously that's why, why, why uh, we're here. Um, you know, business is an important part of the solution. It brings a lot of, you know, opportunities and, and prosperity. And when we're looking at it and taking a whole view and looking at, you know, success over the long term, it, 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 it doesn't hurt, you know what I mean? It doesn't have to hurt. We can do it in a way that it really is beneficial for all of our stakeholders and become, you know, the major contributor to positive social change. Right. Yep. And it's exemplified when you see, um, like, a, a La Fontera. I am fortunate to be on that board for the last five years. And, um, you know, our mission is to pro solve problems in our community. Well, guess who's on the board? We have nonprofits. We also have uh, representation from the police department, hopefully soon from the fire department. And we have um, from a business community. So it takes all of those great minds, great resources, and great efforts in order to move um, an organization that solves community problems forward every single day. Without a doubt.
Yep, so I will take just a quick moment to let you know again that you're listening to Conscious Capitalism Podcast, Elevating Humanity Through Business in Southern Arizona. Uh, your other co-sponsor is McCrarran Compliance, Safety Training and Consulting Services, specializing in MSHA, OSHA, and DOT. And just remember that safety saves. It saves time, money, and lives. Um, Megan, would you tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, your view on leadership and what authentic leadership means to you? Yeah, I think um, one of the things that's really important uh, as a someone in business is leadership, not only within your organization, but leadership as a business. And, and authentic leadership is something I think has been important to me since, you know, even as a frontline employee in a retail organization to to my position now is what authentic leadership and and as an employee that's really important to me so as I thought about that and and I was refreshing myself through um, the conscious capitalism book and reading some of those things it sort of reminded me to think okay I should probably look at my own leadership style with my team and I think some of them are listening so here you go Um, (laughs) but I think Authentic leadership is being transparent and, and honest with your team members about both the good and the bad. Um, I've appreciated that as an employee from my leaders or mentors is they're not afraid to tell me, you know, give me some direct feedback. And But with that direct feedback, they comes the, so how do we get better? And I think that's really important. And I think whether it's a direct person-to-person feedback, um, hey, this you need to work on this now. How do we do it together? Or whether it's as an organization, how we need to change this. So how do we do this as an organization together? And I think that authenticity of not glazing over things or turning a blind eye to things, but really facing things head on is really important. And then I think someone um, who's empathetic and leads from a place from care leads from a place of caring is is really important um one thing that i love about our organization and again it's um from the top down i've felt this personally from our from our ceo and the care that he has for not only our team that's right there locally but the team um that extends you know into our stores is he realizes and as an organization we realize that life happens outside of work too and so Again, I'll go back to put yourselves in the other person's shoes. What are they potentially feeling? What stress or what things are, are coming down on them that can maybe make this, make the situation they're in happen is how it, or put them in the place that they're in right now. And I think that's where not a great leader really builds um, trust and builds people who are invested and, and want to go long-term towards a vision is, hey, I care about you individually, and I know that there may be other things that are going on, but you can trust me and we can work through this together. And that's really important to me as as an employee and as a, a member of an organization, but also as I look at my own team and as I develop my team members or even as I travel to our stores is taking the time to listen to people's personal stories and what's going on with them and some of the struggles that they're having. You know, whether it was, like I said, I was traveling this last week to some of our stores and there was a girl who was, you know, she she's a high school age girl. She's going through a lot of high school things right now. But she, she and I stood there and she was able to share some of the struggles that she was having, you know, balancing her 
schoolwork and her life work and her friends. And, you know, and while it may seem sort of silly and trivial to me, I was like, oh, you're just in high school. That's fine. But that's her reality right now. And so the opportunity that I had to say, hey, we get it. And I'm so happy that you're here and that you're engaged and that you want to be an employee and share some of my life experience to the opposite of where you have people sharing some very heavy life events and even positive life events, but sharing that you care. And I think that's where, as an organization, um, while it may not tie back to your financial statements, um, that level of caring and that level of trust um, goes a long ways. And then you have people who are committed to your organization, people who want to be there long term. And it becomes a lot easier to motivate them to do things that will eventually tie back to your financial statements because they trust you and they believe in you and they believe in the goals of the organization. So I think as you think about being a leader and an authentic leader, I think that's what's really important. And, you know, showing that you care, lead from a trusting place. Um, and, and, it's not just a facade. I mean, don't just ask and then brush it away, but ask and do. And I think that's what's really important is it may be a small thing to you, but it could be in a, a huge thing to that person um, that you're doing that for. And um, again, I'll go back to what I said before. If it feels right, it's right. Um, then you should do it. And sometimes, you know, obviously you have to be good, a steward of your financials and, and tie back to some of those other things, but do the right thing and, and it'll always pay off. I think that's so solid on lots of fronts. One of my personal, um, I, I get enthusiastic about what can be done in the workplace is with that value that you just spoke about caring. Because A, leadership isn't just from the corner office or for somebody with a title that delegates some level of authority in the business. It's everybody has to assume leadership roles. Every interaction with a client, you are bestowing an experience with them and you lead them through it right so if caring is at the corner stone of everything that we encounter with our coworkers and with our vendors and with the community at large the people we commute with back and forth every day if caring is at the at the foundation of it we're looking good so i think that's fantastic yeah do you have thoughts on leadership style you like to share well, you articulated extremely well megan and i feel that when I, uh, the only thing that I would add, and, and I think you brushed upon this, is is the whole vulnerability as a leader. I feel that when you are willing to be vulnerable in front of the folks that you're leading and working with every day, it really takes that guard down, and it really opens up creativity. Because when they can see that their leaders are have the ability to say, gee, that wasn't probably the best moment of my leadership, and you have those very real very real conversations, then real solutions, real programs, and real participation in the organization from a business perspective, but also from that, quote, business slash family perspective, which is very necessary because most of the time we spend a lot more For of our sure. day at work than we do at home. Yep. So someone stopped me today and I said, well, I'm leaving and I'm leaving my, my little room unlocked, my little home. And she goes, it is kind of your home. Mm -hmm. It was my office. Yeah. But it's truly just kind of slipped out. But I do think the vulnerability when people start seeing that if you're okay to say, that wasn't one of Pam's best ideas. 
um, that they too will start thinking a lot freer and they'll know that um, that they can make mistakes and they can correct quickly and that um, also to lead from positive intent. I think to always think from a positive perspective with your with our teams and with our our consumers and with our vendors very very important. I'm really glad that you brought up vulnerability because I think you know I think we talked about caring in the beginning and we talked about caring now and and I think I might have even said I think caring and humanity is you know one of the key components that's missing for a business, but caring without vulnerability can actually be condescending and, and a little bit heartless. It's almost like, you know, sympathy instead of empathy. And so I, you know, I think you, you have, they have to be together and vulnerability is the true key um, because we have to feel comfortable to be vulnerable and to let other people care about us if we really want to be our best and and to connect with each other. That's when you can really do the good work. Yep. yep. And people can really thrive in your organizations and in their own lives because it doesn't just stop at five o'clock. That's right. Right. I think too being a servant leader, um, a servant leader that's someone who you are there to serve your team and not um, to give them the tools to succeed and then get out of their way. And if you don't feel like you can do that, then, you know, maybe you need to look in, inward, but also, um, or maybe you need to develop your team so that they can, can do some, they have more of the tools to succeed. And I think that's one of the things too, is that we at Mr. Carwash are really, um, cultivating is that servant leadership. You know, it's not, I'm here and I'm your manager and I'm the boss, but I'm here to help you succeed. And that's sometimes I think leaders have a hard time with that. Sometimes they feel like they're letting go of power and, and it's going to make them not as, um, as needed. But it, honestly, the opposite occurs when you let go of some of those things, give your team the, the power to succeed and, and share with them and sort of get out of their way, then you become even more of a leader and more of an integral part of, of their process. And so I think being a servant leader is, is really important as well. That's great. We also always like to ask some, obviously your two organizations are examples of good business, but in your encounters, is there anything you can think of, any stories you've heard recently that really kind of personifies some of these thoughts that we've been talking about today on servant leadership and community engagement and doing well by doing good? I feel there's a lot of them in Southern Arizona. I truly do. And I think that it stems from the very large corporations such as Raytheon and Jim Click and et cetera. All of them, and I know this is kind of a slang term, belly up to the bar, so to speak, in delivering community support and community ideas and resources. And at the same time, you see many, many of the small businesses that we work with every day find ways in which they can give back too, whether they take a day of their proceeds and give 10% back um, from a financial standpoint or whether they have, uh, I mean, many, many people for some of the communities take their employees for a day. Maybe there's just three or four of them, and they contribute to Habitat for Humanity, mm -hmm. and they build. Or they belong within, uh, like, the women at the top, the Watt group. Um, we try to do some, uh, not fundraising because that's not our intent, but a Habitat for Humanity day where women go out and build homes. So I, I think that... We see it throughout our community in many, many ways. I always have to be very careful of that course. I'm 
um, non-biased and not mention not too many people favorites. specifically because then I get in trouble. <laughs> but I'm sure Megan's got some ideas. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I agree. There's a lot of amazing businesses out there. And um, I think it's easy to point to the ones that give back, you know, to the community in ways that you said. But I think the businesses that are really impressive to me, and I think that we're trying to model ourselves of after at Mr. Carwash, are the, the businesses that um, are investing in their business through investing in their people. And I think um, this might say, sound a little cliche, but again, some of the, the bigger organizations that stand out, like a Starbucks, I mean, they really stand for something and they stand for their people. And that's one thing that's really, you know, endeared me to them as a customer, but also as I look to other businesses, okay, wow, they're doing some really great things. And then, I mean, that's one example, and I could probably go on a lot of others, but I think as I look to good business, it's, Again, you know, what are you doing as a business to help elevate your teams and your your people? Because it's easy maybe to turn outward to your communities and do all these good things in your communities. But if the people inside your organization aren't happy, then you might be doing more damage than good. And I think that's really important um, as we look to what good business is. is and as if, if you're a listener and you're building a business or you're trying to change culture, is I would say look internally first. And again, our organization, we're not perfect, but that's been a really big thing for us is as we develop and give back internally, um, those are things that they can have pay off huge dividends um, on the other side of it. And I, like I said, those are organizations that I look to are organizations that are authentic, stand for something, and then take care of their people. And those are organizations I want to do business with as well. I think in some ways you contrast, you know, the uh, corporate social responsibility versus, you know, just being a part of a community. Mm -hmm. So you can have a, a corporation, large or small, who who has the obligatory uh, event or, you know, campaign versus the people who say, we just invest in our community and many times directly through our people. So um, that uh, brings us to, you know, a close for the day. Um, I want to, you know, thank Megan Everett and Pam Krim for being our guest today. Uh, you know, Megan, when you were talking about your purpose, I could just feel the moment when your team, you know, summarized in, you know, four simple words what your purpose was. So I really appreciate you sharing that. And Pam, all the passion that you have for, for business and the growth in the community and the nonprofits. I mean, that also was, um, you know, so easily to take in. And, and I think it will easily translate across the mic to, to all of our listeners as well. So I just want to thank you for, for being here. Absolutely. Thank you both. Thank you. Thank you.